Kale Clark here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code relevant radio and get a free phone. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. Fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to the program. So glad to have you with me on this Tuesday, June the 27th, 2023. Here are some other numbers you can call. 888-914-9149. That's the toll-free listener line to talk to me and get your spot. Grab your phone line. Get in on the conversation. 888-914-9149. Got a really interesting question to ask you guys, actually, which we'll get into in just a second. If you want to send me a show idea, if you want to become a shadow producer of the show, send me a link to an article or maybe ask me a question. I'd love to answer it on the air. You can email me. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever been blocked? Have you ever been unfollowed on social media because of your faith? It's more common than you might think. Have you ever blocked somebody else? Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you're, you're just fed up of certain people who are posting certain things. Maybe they belong to another religion or of no religion. Maybe they're an atheist. Maybe they're an agnostic. And you're just tired of them trying to convert you to their way of thinking. So if it's happened to you, if you've done it to someone else, I'd love to hear about it. 888-914-9149. Actually, one of the shadow producers of the show, who used to be the actual producer of The Kale Clark Show, I'm talking about Lucas Holt. He is still out there. He is out there in the world. He is in cyberspace somewhere. He actually sent me a really interesting story about this, which I will share with you in just a few moments about some recent research on this, about how Americans are blocking people that they don't agree with because they, they just keep talking about faith-based stuff and they don't want to hear about it. Now, if you've been blocked, you might not even know. Well, we'll get into all of this in just a second, but uh, you're going to want to call in and tell me about your experience, 888-914-9149. Have you been blocked like Dikembe Mutombo used to reject people in the NBA. Remember that guy? No, 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 no. He would shake his finger and wag his finger at you when he blocked your shot. Well, he never blocked my shot because I never made the NBA, sadly. But uh, I always say if I if I was if I was six foot seven or or, or taller, I would have made it. I don't know about that. Uh, people always say things like that. But anyways, would love to hear from you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Hey, guess what? Today is also the feast day. The optional memorial of St. Cyril of Alexandria. A lot of people don't know much about him. He is a doctor of the church. And speaking about blocking people, he blocked an attempt not to dunk. Well, he, well this guy kind of tried to dunk on the true faith, let's face it. I'm talking about Nestorius. Nestorius was a renegade bishop who basically tried to say that Mary is not the mother of God, which is one of the four Marian dogmas that you need to believe to be Catholic. Well, Cyril of Alexandria had to deal with this guy, and we'll tell you about the incredible, incredible story. And, and it was it was interesting because in early church, and I, I just love church history. I love reading about this stuff because 
there's just so many intriguing characters, so many, it's just amazing seeing how God superintended the process of, of making sure that the true faith was safeguarded. And the church had just come out of this really, really tough battle against the worst heretic, the worst false teacher in the history of the church. His name was Arius. And Arius was also a, a, a renegade uh, priest who essentially, he had, he had managed to convince maybe over half of the church's bishops to believe in his heresy, his false teaching. He basically said that Jesus wasn't God. And, and he was defeated soundly, finally. Um, the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Constantinople in 381 A.D., really nailed down the Trinitarian doctrine of the church, that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And the stubborn heresy of Arianism, which nearly destroyed the church, it was seemingly defeated, but, but there was a bit of a, a revival of Arianism, if you will, because some of the barbarians uh, had converted to Arianism, and then they invaded uh you know, Western Europe, and they kind of won some battles, brought back Arianism a little bit, but it eventually did fizzle out. And everything seemed to be fine when it came to believing in the Trinity. But there were other things that people started to disagree about. And one of the biggest disagreements that came after this was, how do you figure out the incarnation? It's admittedly a tough problem. How do divinity and humanity work in Jesus Christ. We're talking about, of course, the hypostatic union of the two natures, divine and human, in the one divine person of Jesus Christ. So that's the orthodox doctrine of the church, by the way. Jesus is one divine person with two natures, divine and human. And most of the, the heresies, the false teachings in the church throughout history, especially the early part of the church, a lot of them were, were centered on who is Jesus Christ? Is he 100% God? Is he 100% human? Is he 50-50? This is what all of this was about. Now, the church worked this out under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so when people want to say, hey, it's just me and my Bible, I don't need the church, there's no way you can figure this stuff out with just your Bible alone. In fact, Arius, when I, I told you about this arch-heretic Arius and, and the guy who denied the divinity of Christ, essentially, he would use the scriptures to try to prove his teaching. And he could cherry-pick verses here and there and make a really convincing case. And it obviously fooled a lot of people. It fooled bishops of the church, over half of the bishops. So we, we need the guidance of the magisterium, the teaching office of the church. So let me tell you about this cage match, if you will. And if you're, if you're calling in to talk about whether you've been blocked on social media, I, I stay on the line. Brian, I see you there. You want to grab your spot, triple eight. 914-9149. And as you're calling in, I just want to finish off this story about today's Saint Cyril of Alexandria. And and really this turned out to be a big cage match, if you will, WWE style between Cyril of Alexandria and this other heretic, not Arius, but Nestorius. And Patrick Alog, who's uh, producing the sh show today, sitting in for Jim Shaper. Patrick, you strike me as a WWE kind of guy. Do you, do you watch a lot of this stuff? Yes, I do. Yeah, I figured. I figured, yeah. So you, you're probably into cage matches and and all that. But I'll tell you this. this but by the way, I, I, I don't know if this is true or not. Is this just a rumor? Is this actually happening? There's a rumor that there's going to be a cage match between Elon Musk 
and Mark Zuckerberg. Is that actually true, or is this just yeah? It's thinking been about doing it, it's been talked about. I don't know yeah. if it's actually going to happen. I I, wow. I pick it around twenty five percent, maybe. But oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it, like it, there, it's I probably it's, pay to see it's, that. It's legit rumor. <laughs> Who would you go for in that cage match? Uh, no one. Yeah. <laughs> However, you, though, depending, you, you watch it just to see the carnage. But depends uh, on how much it costs. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's free for you all to hear the results of this particular theological cage match between Cyril of Alexandria and Nestorius. Now, let me let me tell you how this happened. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the history, but but there there was a couple of schools of thought in, in the early church with the church fathers. There was the Antiochian school, the school of Antioch, and we know that in Antioch, that's where the believers are first called Christians. It talks about this in the Acts of the Apostles. There's also the Alexandrian school, Alexandria, Egypt. And so a lot of bishops came from there, uh, had a lot of influence. A lot of bishops came from Antioch. And, and I'm being super, super simplistic about this, but uh, Clement of Alexandria, you've probably heard of him. Origen, who's another uh, early church figure. He wasn't canonized, but he had some really interesting thoughts and they, they talked a lot about the divinity of Christ. And again, this is super generalistic here. Um, those from Antioch tended to, to really focus on the humanity of Jesus. And, and what is this all about? How do we understand the hypostatic union? A lot of that was at stake. So obviously the, the, the Council of Ephesus, where Nestorius was soundly defeated, the doctrine of the dogma of the mother of God was, was reemphasized that, that Mary is the mother of God. But, but ultimately it's really about Jesus. It's about, the question is ultimately about who is Jesus? Who, who is she the mother of? Right. And, and so this got kind of got started when Nestorius, uh, who was a, a, a monk from a very kind of strict background, he became the Bishop of Constantinople in the year 428. AD. And this was kind of a, there was a lot of politics going on in the church at the, at this time as well. And the, remember I was talking about the council of Constantinople, the, the council of Constantinople actually said that the bishop of Constantinople should be almost as much of a big shot as the Pope in Rome. And, and there was a lot of stuff going on in, in the East, by the way, as well, in the Eastern part of the church where this is all taking place because kind of in the West, the empire was falling apart, the Roman Empire, but in the eastern part of the church, the empire was still pretty strong. So there was, there was always this kind of interplay with the bishops, the emperors, and, and, and yeah. So Constantinople was sort of the big city in the eastern part of the church for a while. It was essentially the capital of the eastern empire. Alexandria was also a really important city, founded by Alexander the Great. And uh, I, I was kind of driving... Uh, my family crazy the other day because when I was when I was a kid I used to listen to a little bit of heavy metal not a lot I was never deep into it um, I, I think Drew Mariani was probably more into the speed metal stuff I don't know I'm I'm only kidding Drew I don't know if you listen to that stuff or not but uh, one of the bands I was kind of into at the time was Iron Maiden and Iron Maiden had some interesting historical songs they had a song about the poem the rhyme of the ancient mariner uh, it was really interesting and also they had a song about Alexander the Great and that's kind of how I learned about Alexander the Great. It, it's and it's a historically accurate heavy metal song. Unbelievable. Check it out. YouTube it. Um, so Alexander the Great, obviously, who pretty much took over the whole world, starting when he was only 19 years old. Kids, you don't have to wait to make something of yourself. 
Um, unbelievable guy, uh, really changed the world. And, and he founded, of course, Alexandria, Egypt, which became the center of learning, the famous library of Alexandria. So very often, um, Alexandria's bishops, along with the Bishop of Antioch, they were kind of, they had to take second place to whoever was the bishop of Constantinople. So all this kind of a, a, a big background. If you were the bishop of Constantinople, that was considered a pretty prestigious appointment, okay? And obviously, if, you're, if you want to become a bishop to social climb, that's a really, really bad way to look at things, clearly. Um, but Nestorius had, had uh, a lot of people that were gunning for him when he became the bishop of uh, Constantinople, not the least of which was because he started kind of preaching this heresy, this false teaching. And maybe his motives were good, Maybe his, oh, Patrick Halog just told me he's not going to play the Iron Maiden song. It's a good tune. Trust me, it's a good tune. We should use it as a rejoin. I don't know. But anyways, Nestorius, he said, look, you should not call Mary the Theotokos in Greek, which means the bearer of God, the one who bears God. You know what you should call Mary instead, he said? We should call her Christokos, Christotokos, uh, bearer of Christ. Huh? Okay, so this is this. There was a lot at stake here, it, it, and again, it was really not so much about Mary. It's about who is her son, who is Jesus. How do we talk about the incarnation? And so he tried to basically Nestorius tried to make a distinction, tried to split apart the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ, and, and he basically said that Mary was only the mother of Jesus' human nature, the human person. Essentially, he was trying to say that he's two persons, and that that is not the historical Orthodox faith of the church. And a lot of this stuff, the reason why it got developed was because of challenges to it. Um, if you look at the church as the mystical body of Christ, I always like to say that that the, the dogmas of the church that you must believe to be Catholic, like the, the Trinity, Mary's the mother of God, all that stuff, I, I, I call them calluses on the body of Christ. You know, just in your human body, you develop calluses when the outer parts of your body come up against resistance, whether it's the, the heels on your feet when you're doing a lot of running or whatever, you develop calluses or um, develop calluses from, from swinging the golf club. You know, I, I don't have them anymore. I used to have them. I don't get to play as much as I, as I used to. But your body develops calluses, very, very hard edges, very defined to protect itself against stuff that's coming in, bad stuff from the outside. And so these dogmas of the church are, are really about that. At some level, there are calluses on the body of Christ. And so this became a big, big problem when Nestorius was trying to say that, hey, she's the mother, she's not the mother of God. She's the mother of the human Jesus. Uh, trying to make this, this, and he used to say, and I, 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 it's hard to explain, but he's, he essentially tried to say that the divine Christ was kind of growing almost separately from the human Jesus and kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, it, it's, 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 it's kind of a mess, but we do know this. It's not true. It's not true. And so Clement of Alexandria really had to fight against this guy. And that's exactly what he, what he did. Excuse me, Cyril of Alexandria. I said Clement of Alexandria. That's a different guy. So Cyril of Alexandria, that, that's the, uh, the feast uh, day of today. So, this became a huge, huge problem. And so Cyril 
of Alexandria. He, he was a, a really smart dude, and he said, Nestorius has to be stopped. We've got to preserve the truth here. The other thing about uh, Cyril of Alexandria is that he was actually pretty politically astute as well. It's a little bit like how Jesus said, you've got to be as wise as a serpent and yet as innocent as a dove. That's essentially what Cyril was because he, he did pull some political strings. And again, politics and, 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 and the church were really intertwined in the eastern part of the church. And so he, he reached out to the Pope in Rome and, and said, look, we, we, we've got to, you've got to get on my side here. We've got to stop this dude, Nestorius. He also, there are two different emperors that he, he sort of uh, lobbied them. Uh, for support, Valentinian III and Theodosius II. And again, the emperor was super involved with the church at that time, and he actually got these emperors, and why there's two emperors, that's another story for another day. But an ecumenical council was called. He, he, he made sure that this happened in June of the year 431. This is the Council of Ephesus. Now, here's the deal. Back in those days, you couldn't just hop on a plane and the bishops couldn't go to the council. So Nestorius, you know, basically has to show up for this cage match. He's got he's to argue his case. He's got to theologically wrestle, if you will, with Cyril of Alexandria and, and sort of prove his case. But he didn't show up until for like two weeks. He, was, he had trouble getting there, couldn't catch a flight. I don't know what happened. Maybe there was COVID and, and stuff just got canceled. I don't know. But this guy, John of Antioch, who supported Nestorius, a bunch of other dudes, they were very much delayed in getting there. And after a while, the other guys are just kind of hanging out at the council. They're like, listen, you know, these hotel rooms are costing a lot. We've been here for two weeks. Let's just start the council already. So that's what they did. They, they started the council without these guys. And, uh, and Nestorius wasn't there. Uh, he didn't get a chance to defend himself. They just said, hey, you're a heretic, which he was. And you are now deposed as the bishop of Constantinople. You're out of here. And I bet you didn't know that, but that, that's what happened. Well, guess what? They finally showed up. The supporters of Nestorius showed up a few days later to find out, oh, whoa, it's already over. What's going on here? So this guy, John of Antioch, a bunch of his buddies showed up. And they said, we're going to start our own council. Forget you guys. We're going to start our own council. It's a rival council. And it was a little bit like when Live Golf started up or something. We're going to start a new league here. Uh, you can't do that. Any, anyways, it was a lot smaller. Um, and hey, there was eventually a merger. Was there a merger here? We'll, we'll see. Um, basically, they had the opposite conclusion. Their rival council said, actually, no, Cyril of Alexandria, he's the real heretic. He's the real false teacher. Nestorius is a great guy, and his teaching is true. So... You're back in. Nestorius, you are not a heretic, and you're, we, we reinstate you as the bishop of Constantinople. Well, you really can't do that. So Cyril's council came back and said, no, 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 no. Nestorius, you're still a heretic. You're still a bad dude. And by the way, John of Antioch, you're his buddy. I know all, all, you are all heretics. You're a heretic. You're a heretic. You're a heretic. All, all the rest of you are heretics as well. We started this fake council. This is ridiculous. You guys are just out to lunch. Finally, the emperor had to intervene. Theodosius II, he arrested uh, Cyril of Alexandria and John of Antioch, who's the bad, one of the bad guys. And he said, guys, this is ridiculous. We, we can't have these two councils uh, going at each other here. And uh, anyways, they finally came up with, this is, this is like getting into the details of church history, which you probably didn't know about. And, and they finally uh, made this sort of statement that said that, yes, um, 
Nestorius is in fact a, her- a heretic, and uh, what he said was not true about Mary, and he was he was in fact deposed as as the bishop, and Nestorius spent the rest of his life in exile. He, he started off in a monastery uh, in Antioch, but people were just embarrassed to hang around this guy. He was sort of ousted, and everybody knew that he had sort of had this false teaching. So life was not great for him, and um, he eventually went to a very, very remote city called Petra. You might have heard of Petra, and that's kind of where he spent the the rest of his life there. So that, that's, that's the backstory of the Council of Ephesus, and when they did finally, when the council announced their conclusion that Nestorius was a heretic, Mary's the mother of God, the people of Ephesus had this great devotion to Mary, because don't, don't forget, she lived there. According to tradition, John the Apostle took her there to live. Because again, Jesus gave Mary into John's care at at the cross. Son, here is your mother. Woman, here is your son. And from that moment, the disciple took her into his own home. And tradition says that she went to Ephesus. Can you imagine? St. Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. Can you imagine if you're sitting there listening to St. Paul's letter and in the congregation with you, is the mother of God, Mary herself. Wow, you you know you're on your best behavior at Mass then, right? So she lived there. There's obviously a huge Marian devotion there, and it's said that the townspeople were, in the middle of the night, they were waiting for the council deliberations to to, uh, to end, and when they announced, here's the deal, Nestorius is a heretic, Mary's the mother of God, there was just this great cheer went up from the crowd. They all had torches. They had this great party. They lifted the bi- the bishops up on their shoulders, carried them throughout the town, and there was a great joy there in, in that city. And so there's a lot we can we can learn from this, though. And we got to take a quick break right now. But I also want to get back to this question of have you been blocked on social media for sharing your faith? Because it's all kind of intertwined here. This is the Kale Clark Show. Hey, this is the song, Alexander the Great by Iron Maiden. Check it out. You know, even if it's not in your musical style, it's a pretty intelligent song. You'll learn something, and hopefully you're learning something on The Gail Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Be right back, 888-914-9149. Our sponsor, Charity Mobile, where 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro-life charity of your choice. New customers can mention Relevant Radio to receive a free phone. More information at Charity Mobile. Welcome back to the Kale Clark Show on this Tuesday, June 27th. Call in right now, 888-914-914. 9149. Have you ever been blocked on social media for sharing your faith? Or blocked somebody else for maybe sharing another faith you didn't want to hear about? Or for someone of no faith, uh, an atheist, an agnostic who's pushing their position? 888-914-9149. And Patrick Alog uh, producing the show today. I don't know what that song is. What is that? Uh, that was Forget You. For, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hopefully you won't forget me. Hopefully you'll remember to call this number to talk to me. But just before the break, we were talking about today's Saint Cyril of Alexandria. Super, super important in the history of the church. He's a doctor of the church. Uh, helped to defeat the evil heresy of Nestorius, who tried to say that Mary is not the mother of God, that Jesus is not one divine person. 
Uh, hey, Mary didn't give birth to a human nature. She gave birth to a person, uh, the person of Jesus Christ, who is the God-man. And it has to do with the incarnation. It's really, really important. Uh, by the way, Pope Benedict XVI uh, had a great talk about it. If you want to learn more about Cyril of Alexandria, there's a nice little talk that he gave as part of his um, weekly audiences that he was doing when he was Pope uh, about the, the early fathers of the church. Uh, Pope Benedict has some amazing stuff. So if you just Google Benedict XVI, XVI, of course, it's, it's Latin, uh, Benedict XVI or Benedict XVI, Cyril of Alexandria, It'll show up. Uh, it's a talk that he gave back in October of 2007. And you know what he said dur- during that talk? He said that Cyril of Alexandria, when he was fighting against uh, Nestorius, this kind of theological cage match that happened, when he was fighting against his heresy, his false teaching, he said he left no stone unturned. He, le- he, just, he just would not stop uh, until he defeated this thing. And, and we, we, we have to do the same thing, by the way in our faith. We have to be exacting, you know, in our doctrine and towards ourselves as well. Uh, St. Paul said to Timothy in the New Testament, watch your life and doctrine closely, for in doing so you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So truth matters. It It really matters. Reality matters. And so many among us are suffering from truth decay, if you will, in our society. But it's curable. It's curable. Uh, with the light of the gospel. And the other thing that's, that's really interesting about, about Cyril of Alexandria is that um, he, he tried to warn him. He actually did care about his soul and the fact that he was in error. He was putting his eternal soul at risk, but he was also putting a lot of other people at risk as well with, with his teaching. And, and this is what Cyril of Alexandria said to Nestorius. He said, quote, It is essential to explain the teaching and interpretation of the faith to the people in the most irreproachable way. And to remember that those who cause scandal, even to only one of the little ones who believe in Christ, will be subjected to an unbearable punishment. End of quote. So he's like, you, you've got to teach it right. Because um, it's your own souls at stake, as well as all the people listening to you. And Jesus said, and of course, the reference that he made was to, to Jesus' teaching in the gospel when he said, hey, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for that person if a millstone was tied around his neck and he were drowned in the sea. So we have to, there's a lot at stake for ourselves and others. That's why James said in the New Testament, James chapter 3, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, because we know that those who teach will be liable to a stricter judgment. Now, that's no reason to sort of shrink back from the task if you're called to it. We all have to teach people to faith somehow, sometime. But it's really important that we, that we get it right. And and again, Benedict XVI said about uh, Cyril of Alexandria, he said, on the one hand is the clarity of the doctrine of faith, clarity of the teaching. But in addition, on the other hand, the intense search for unity and reconciliation. So he, he really did, he wanted unity in the church. He wanted Nestorius to come to his senses. He wanted him to come back uh, to the faith. He wasn't trying to defeat him, to just say, ha ha, you know, I've beaten you. Um, and just kind of, you know, drag him on social media. No, he wasn't going to do that. He, he, he wanted him to come back into in the unity of the faith. And the Cyril of Alexandria said this also. He said, Christ forms us in his image so that the features of his divine nature will shine in us 
through sanctification, through justice, and a good life in conformity with virtue. The beauty of this image shines in us who are in Christ when we show ourselves to be good people through our deeds, end of quote. So yeah, the, the image of Christ, Christ has to be born of us as well, born in us, and he has to grow in us, and we have to show forth his features, if you will. Um, the maturity, you know, Paul always said in the New Testament, you've got to become mature in Christ. You've got to grow up into the full measure of Christ. And so we've got to, we've got to do that as well. So Mary can help us to do that. The same Mary who Cyril of Alexandria so passionately defended the fact that she's the mother of God, uh, defended the truth about her son. She can help us to be better disciples of her son. She was the perfect disciple of, of her son, Jesus Christ. And uh, Pope Bendix said in another place, she's, she's really the church at the source. She's the first Christian, the first person to say yes to God's plan to save the world in Jesus Christ. So we can ask her for a lot, a lot of help as well. And we can be like Cyril, uh, today's saint. So Cyril was really good at blocking uh, false teachings, the false teachings of, in this case, Nestorius, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been blocked because somebody didn't like uh, what you had to say about faith? And and once again, Lucas Holt, uh, serving as a, as a shadow producer today, he sent me this article. And thanks, Lucas. I appreciate that. And it's really Mountain from... Miles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a nice Dikemi Matumbo uh, clip there. Very nice. Very not in my house. Not going to happen. You're blocked. All right. So Lucas actually sent me a piece uh, that he found interesting. And you can do the same thing. You can uh, you can be a shadow producer. Email the show, kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. Story idea, question, comment, a link that you want to send me. I uh, think I might have a take on it. Go ahead and send that to me. Or send it to me on Twitter, at kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. So Lucas sent me something from the very highly respected Pew Research Forum. Now, P-E-W is how you spell it. Uh, not like Pepe Le Pew but uh, the, the Pew Research Forum. And, and this is, um, they do a lot of religious surveys. They're very, very highly regarded. They really take the pulse of religion in America. And this just came out. This just came out. One in six Americans have actually gone ahead and taken steps to block people on social media because of religious stuff that they're posting. Has this ever happened to you? Have you been blocked by a relative, friend, maybe even people that you don't really know, for sharing your faith or for talking about your faith. Have you blocked somebody else? 888 I want to hear about this. So as you're calling in, just let me explain what this, what this survey actually says. And survey says, you know, and uh, as the Pew Forum notes, a lot of Americans use social media for religious purposes and not necessarily for evangelization. Sometimes it's just like, hey, can you please pray for me? Prayer requests are huge on social media. Uh, obviously, people follow religious leaders and figures on social media. Hey, you probably follow Relevant Radio, and if you don't, you should. We have Twitter accounts. Um, there's even an account for this show, for the Kale Clark Show, for The Faith Explained, uh, as well as my own. So we, we try to use social media as much as we can because, again, Pope Benedict, he called it the digital continent. We've we, we got to reach people wherever we can. And if St. Paul was alive today, do you think he'd be on Twitter? You, you better believe he would be. The tweet to the Romans would have been a lot shorter than the letter, but he would have done it. He would have done maybe a, a tweet thread that was pretty long. 
but but nonetheless, it's the digital content. That's where we can find people. Wherever we can find people, we want to reach them with, with the gospel. But according to this recent survey by the Pew Research Center, 17% of U.S. adults have either unfollowed, unfriended, blocked somebody, or, or changed the, their settings so that they see less of certain individuals on social media. Why? Because of specifically religious content that people are posting or sharing. Has this ever happened to you? Faith, and again, this this Pew Research uh, uh, Forum, very prestigious, has released new data on this, that 17% of all adults in the U.S. have unfollowed, unfriended, blocked somebody on social uh, because of religious content that the person was posting or sharing. Now, a couple other facts about this as you're calling in, 888-914-9149. Apparently, Democrats are more likely than Republicans to say that they've been blocked because of religious content that they posted. Um, just so you might know. But they, they kind of broke it down by everybody. 17% of all U.S. adults have said this has happened to them. Um, but the numbers are really interesting when, when, you, when you look at um, who has blocked someone or who has unfollowed someone because of religious content. Um, 12% of Catholics that they polled have blocked somebody or unfollowed somebody. Um, those who consider themselves atheists, 36%, they were the biggest group, by the way, 36% of atheists have blocked somebody on social media because they were posting religious stuff and they didn't want to hear about it. Agnostics. Agnostics are people that, eh, they're not quite sure. And by the way, I, I sort of dealt with agnosticism, whether it actually works uh, long-term as a, as, a, as a theory, as a position, it's really a cop-out. I talked about that on the Faith Explained. Was that in today's episode, Patrick, or yesterday? I can't remember. <laughs> but um, I did talk about that, so check the Faith Explained. I've been doing this series on Pascal's Wager, a really interesting argument for God. Uh, check it out in the Faith Explained archives. But agnostics, 29% of all agnostics say that they've been they've blocked somebody or unfollowed somebody because they were posting religious stuff. So by far the biggest groups, atheists and agnostics, much more likely uh, to block somebody. Uh, 20% of uh, Jews have done this, 13% of Protestants, and 12% of Catholics. They, by the way, they, if you're wondering about Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, they, they were too small uh, in, in the survey. They couldn't even like get numbers on them because not enough of them uh, were, were active enough to, to even analyze this on social media. So at any rate, so those who, who have no religious commitment or, or a low level of religious commitment who either they seldom or never pray. They seldom or never go to religious services and they say religion is not that important to them. They're far more likely than anybody else to have changed their social media settings to see less religious content from other people. Um, I really, it's kind of, kind of interesting on this. And, and here's the other thing that was, that I thought was really intriguing. And, and Lucas mentioned this to me in particular. He, he thought this was a uh, interesting and I agree with him. He said that young adults are way more likely than older people to block somebody online because they're sharing their faith or, or trying to uh, post religious content. 23%, 23% of U.S. adults ages 18 to 29. And um, 21%, it's virtually the same, ages 30 to 49. So basically everybody from 18 to 50 
a huge percentage, about 21 to 23% have blocked somebody for sharing online. Now, older people tend not to block as many people online for sharing religious stuff. Part of that might be that a lot of older people aren't using social media. That might be part of it, but some of them, it might be just because they're okay with it and they share it themselves. I, I don't know. So Lucas was sort of saying, well, maybe it's because, maybe it's because for young people, it's way better to talk face to face and they don't, they don't like the online evangel. I don't know. I don't know about that. That's an interesting theory, but uh, let's check it out. Let's go to line one. Let's go to Ishera, who's calling from California. Welcome to the program, Ishera. Hi, thank you. I really enjoy your program. I listen to it every day, especially before going to work. Um, I have been blocked on social media, Facebook, for um, religious commenting and spreading um, things that I thought were relevant. I just became a Catholic in 2017. It was confirmed. Wow. And in the beginning, it was really hurtful and got a lot of negative comments from um, like family members and one even saying, who's a Protestant? Oh, we've got to get her back. And it's hmm. been a, a struggle, but it's been worth it because the Catholic ch Church f truly feels like home. Wow. And also, on the other hand, I've also blocked some people when um, it's like they start spouting heresy and they start saying bad things about Our Lady. I'm just, mm. I'm kind of through with them because mm. I think she's great. Yeah, absolutely, she is. And oh, first of all, thank thank you for your kind words about the show. And and I'm so glad that you you became Catholic. And congratulations on that. It happened, I guess, in 2017. And and you've been blocked by certain people, family members, that that friends maybe that that don't didn't appreciate your choice. And um and you've also had to block some people who were saying some stuff about Our Lady online that you didn't like. And and you know what? I think every every person has. Ishera, I really appreciate that phone call. Thank you so much. God bless you, and thanks for listening to the show. We got to take a quick break, but if, if this has happened to you, have somebody have, has somebody called you a, a religious zealot online for posting about Catholicism? Have you blocked other people? Um, and I think everyone has a different toleration of how much they're willing to put up with in terms of people attacking the faith. I don't know, promoting other stuff. It's an interesting question. Call in triple eight nine one four. 9149. We'll be right back. 888 It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Our sponsor, Charity Mobile, where 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro life charity of your choice. New customers can mention Relevant Radio to receive a free phone. More information at Charity Mobile. Hey, welcome back to the program. I should say, by the way, Patrick Alog is the DJ tonight. Uh, some interesting musical choices, for sure. Um, although I did suggest Iron Maiden, so hey, sue me for that one. All right, you're listening to the Kale Clark Show, triple eight nine one four. 9149 if you want to call in and we're talking about this interesting survey released by the Pew Research Organization in the United States uh, talking about how a lot of Americans have blocked someone or unfriended someone on social media 
for talking about faith. Um, what's interesting, too, here's, here's the flip side. And there's an article by uh, Jeff Diamant uh, talking about this on pewresearch.org. <laughs> Very few Americans, only 3% of Americans believe that they themselves have been unfollowed or blocked by somebody. Uh, they're blocking other people. But they don't think they've been blocked, of course, because everyone wants to hear what they have to say. <laughs> well, the the truth of the matter is be, is that you might not know if someone has blocked you or unfollowed you, because uh, very often it, it does. People are not told uh, on these social uh, platforms, whether it be uh, and I forget. Like the rules are different for every for every platform, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram. You may not know if you've been blocked by somebody, and you might not be alerted to this, but Nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, 17% of U.S. adults do post stuff on religion on social media. 2% do it every day. They're very consistent. 3% do it every week. 12% do it uh, about on a monthly basis. Um, so, but it, it was, what I found kind of, kind of interesting is that the vast majority of Americans never post about religion on social media maybe they think it's a private matter i don't know well has this ever happened to you have you ever blocked somebody have you ever been blocked maybe not just on social media but what about in real life uh 888-914-9149 let's go to hannah in brookfield wisconsin hello hannah hi it's a very How biblical name good that's a very biblical name oh yeah i definitely get a lot of comments on that <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell me about your experience. Yeah, so I'm uh, actually 20 years old, and okay. I've had, you know, an Instagram, which was my main source of social media, and I definitely know that I've blocked my fair share of people, mostly mm -hmm. because they'll post, um, honestly, really blasphemous stuff about mm -hmm. my religion, where yeah. I see it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's so disgusting. Um, or... I'll see something that's really, you know, grotesque and mm -hmm. quite honestly, like Pride Month, I'm just like not on board. So I find myself blocking a lot of people I used to know because I just don't want to see that kind of stuff on my page. So yeah. Yeah. I can understand why they wouldn't want to see my content, but uh, I'm a pretty controversial person to begin with. I, I <laughs> you know, in high school, I knew that. Um, but even when I'm on social media, I know that whatever I post out there could be shared like a million times. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, especially when it comes to like abortion and the Roe v. Wade stuff, I mm -hmm. would continuously be like, hey, these are, you know, real lives. I'll put all sorts of quotes out there, uh, like with the Virgin Mary, like pictured or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I just know for a fact that I've even had some siblings block me um, mm. because they didn't want to see some of that stuff. They're like, I can't believe you posted that. I'm like, well, you know, this is what I believe and you post what you believe. But um, I guess we have that option to block people in real yeah. life that we don't yeah. want to mm -hmm. see, that we don't want to hear from. <laughs> yeah. um, and, of course, this is a free speech platform, but it's it's understandable, I guess, in a way. Um, but, yes, it's definitely happened to me. How did that make you feel when you were blocked by your own siblings? Um. Well, it kind of riled me up for sure because I was like, okay, I can understand they don't want to see what I'm posting, mm -hmm. but um, I mean, I don't block them because I love them. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, 
that's just, you know, them being them. So <laughs> It's kind of a different dynamic, right? You kind of take it more personally when it, when a family member or a close friend blocks you, right? I mean, it's one thing if it's right. a total stranger, but... Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and everybody, and of course, the, the internet is not always the greatest place or the greatest forum to try to convince anybody of anything. Um, it doesn't mm-hmm. lend itself, especially on some social media sites, it doesn't lend itself to nuanced conversation. Let's put it that way. And so, right. Yeah. And it becomes more, sometimes just a place to argue in, 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 in the bad sense of the, the term arguing. Arguing is, most people get into arguments because they don't know how to argue, if you will. Um, I think it was Chesterton who said that. But Hannah, thank you so much for, for calling in. And, and yeah, you're definitely giving that perspective of a younger person. Uh, you said you're 20. And uh, what you've dealt with, you've blocked some people, you've been blocked by people, and you're kind of <laughs> living it out. And uh, I appreciate the call. God bless you, Hannah. Call back any time. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. great have a good day. You. Yeah, you too. Great to have you on the program. All right, let's go to Tyler in Rogers, Arkansas on line one. Hi, Tyler. Hey, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, we love your show. Oh, God bless you. It's rebroadcast from St. Vincent de Paul. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Hey, pr- please pray for us here at Relevant Radio. We appreciate the support. Absolutely. Yeah, just want to call in. I think the topic is on social media. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been great. Um, of course, you can learn um, and have some interesting discussions. Some people might backlash or be aware of your job, um, those kind of things that can be affected. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But uh, overall, I've had some really great um, content, learned some from some good quality arguments that are the, ser- the search for truth. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, even led to some new friends and things like that. There's, um, you know, St. Mary's, you know, militia, and you found out about Jesus 911, a podcast, and all kinds of good things that you can share and light and love for Christ. Yeah, and Tyler, I, I appreciate that call. And yeah, it, it I mean, you, you do meet a lot of people, you, and, and these are real people. We can't, all, we can never forget that there are real people behind these handles. And yeah, some of them are anonymous, but there's always a person there behind that account. And somebody that we can pray for, somebody who Jesus Christ died for. And so we, we really got to take that seriously. And uh, it can be easy to forget that and, and, and you know, make it an impersonal thing. But it's always personal when it comes to the Catholic faith. Hey, thanks for listening to The Kale Clark Show today. Patrick Alog produced Young Thomas. Check your phone calls. Stay tuned. Keep it locked on Relevant Radio. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.